Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A listener production. Hey, I'm pro surfer and mental health advocate, Cooper Chapman, and this is Good Humans. Welcome back to Good Humans Podcast. Today's episode is a very special one to me, a great friend of mine and a guy that I have been absolutely pumped to get on the podcast. He's a man who inspires the hell out of me on a daily basis. He has a mindset that I've never seen before. He's one of the best freestyle motocross riders in the world and is just one of the friendliest guys you'll ever meet. He'll go out of his way to help any of his mates and, yeah, he's an absolutely great human. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Harry Bink. Dude, we made it. Um, man, we talked about doing this this whole year. <laughs> I think we even said we were going to do it at the end of last year. We've been hanging out on such a regular basis. Um, man, I guess we having too much fun and kind of forgot to actually do this. Yeah, I'm going to start this one a little bit differently. I want to explain... I guess my introduction into meeting you and we, I talked to you about this quite a bit, but just for the listener. So I met Harry when I moved to the Gold Coast about a year ago in mid 2020. And we met out partying. Like, I'm not going to lie. I love going out and having a bit of a party every now and then. And I'm sure you'll ask Harry and he loves going out and having (laughs) a bit of a party. So we met each other in that kind of party scene. And I was just like, this guy's a unit. This guy's loose. Love him to death, but maybe not my outside of partying cup of tea. And then I listened to his podcast episode with Gypsy Tales and my mind was absolutely blown. And I've told Harry this. I was like, holy shit, you're a completely different person to what I thought you were. Like, we need to hang out more. We can do so much cool shit together based on the mindset that you have, which we're going to talk about today. And from then, I feel like we've been best mates ever since. So what was your experience, I guess, like meeting me? Um, Yeah, dude, I couldn't agree more with um, everything that you just said. Um... Dude, meeting, um, obviously on the Gold Coast, you meet a lot of people, a lot of people come and go in the party scene. There's, um, there's lots of amazing people on the coast, but the ones you actually really connect with and, um, keep really close friendships that, um, actually, that actually real and you have a lot of in common. It doesn't come across, doesn't come by very often. And I feel like that's what we got when we met. We had, um, we were both on our same journey. We're the same age. Um, yeah, we just have so much in common. You're a surfer. I'm a freestyle motocross rider, but I feel like our formula is the same. We're both learning and adapting and working on ourselves. We both like having fun. Um, we, we were balanced. It was really warm for me meeting you guys because uh, I didn't necessarily have close mates that work as hard, um, as you guys do, uh, being the same age as me. I do have a lot of friends that are on similar journeys to me, but they're a lot older than I am. So it was really cool and refreshing, like hitting, like hanging out with some dudes the same age and like, and on the same flow. Yeah. And, and I'm really excited to share with the listeners a little bit more about you, a bit more about your mindset, because there's things that I learn on a daily basis from you and I'm inspired by you every single day by your work ethic and some of the stuff I know we're going to touch on, I know is going to give the listeners 
a lot of inspiration, but also maybe a bit of a reality check to what goes on in the life of a professional athlete and somebody willing to dedicate their life and sacrifice their life every time they go out to work, which is what you do with freestyle motocross. So let's go back to your development. Where'd you grow up? What was your family life like? And yeah, talk me through those kind of end of primary school, start of high school years of your life. Yeah, wow. So, man, it's such a crazy journey. Um, obviously, as a young kid, I grew I grew up in Canberra. Um, I grew up in the city. Like, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that. Uh, my mum rented a farm for a couple of years, for about two, three years um, when I was younger. But um, besides that, I always lived in the city with my dad. Um, man, I grew up in Canberra thinking just all these what-ifs, all these dreams, thinking, watched all the Nitro Circus DVDs. Over and I watched every single one like at least 20 times. Like I was obsessed with it. Never thought I'd ever meet any of the guys, but I was just obsessed with it and just thought it was so cool. Um, I always wanted to do it. I always never really got into freestyle though. I was really lucky. Man, my dad is a, is just a legend. He has a really good work ethic um, and he's just, he's an absolute, he, he's just a, he just works so much. He's always going so hard. He goes so hard, but. He has like not, nothing to prove to anyone. He has no ego. It's kind of he, and the, as the older I get, the like the more I see into his um his good really good qualities. Uh, my mum's is kind of like had her life set up, and then she went down the wild child <laughs> um, the wild child route when I was about man when I was my mum and dad broke up when I was two, and I think she kind of like. I don't know. I think she stayed on the rails for a bit, but then she definitely went off the rails from like when I was probably like eight years old to around 12. And, um, yeah, she was a weapon. Uh, there was, there, there was a bit of shit that went down there. My dad, um, went through some years. He had to, um, he had to go through court and all kinds of stuff. But, um, my mom's an amazing person. She's, um, she's, she means really well. She's just life, I guess you could say, got the best of her. But it was it was a really cool eye opening to me because I had a dad that had a really solid like solid um, work ethic, morals. Dude, my dad can't rest either. He has to like vacuum or like Windex the windows and stuff. Like he can't just sit still and do nothing. Like he comes up for holidays and he'll just like be planting plants in my garden and like doing random. Like my mom. Dude, he always has to be doing something. But that was the best thing I learned. Like growing up with him was just such a sick. That that's what that's what made me me. That's why I don't sit still. That's what and that's the best quality I've ever learned out of not being not being able to sit still. Because if you're always doing something, you're actually always you're always building something. And then over a year, you've built you've built like an empire or like whatever it is. You're moving forward rapidly. And then over the years, that's how people go. Oh, you're so lucky. How did you get to this? It's like, well, no, I just didn't sit still for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all those little te- those little um whatnot to it. Um, but man, growing up, dad built a granny flat when I was 12 out the back. Um, and he just said, kind of live in it. I like did all my own washing. Um, did he, t- to make our lunches from like probably when I was 12, he'd go on Sunday night, he'd like 
get us to come help him and he'd have a loaf of bread and a thing of peanut butter and he'd just put a blob. He'd we'd put out 20 pieces of oh, the whole loaf of bread just like on the table and he'd just put a blob on every second piece of bread and then just close each lid or like on top of um, close each lid and then um, glad wrap four peanut butter sandwiches, put them in the freezer and then me and Grant are just like my brother. Um, we just grab, grab, we just go to the freezer, grab, grab our four peanut butter sandwiches and go to school. And like, that's what we did for years. Like we just ate bread and a blob of peanut butter and like, Sometimes, like, our friends would give us, like, a, 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 a what are they called? LM, LCM. LCM bars, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, bubbles. oh, yeah. And it was, like, Christmas. Real. It was heaven when, like, sometimes our friends would give us some food or, like, we'd go stay at our friend's house and we would just parade them. We would just go nuts through all their pantries. But we were so grateful for food. Like, it wasn't that my dad was, like, to, like he was, he just was simple. He was just like, oh, I'll just work, 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 charge, charge, charge. Like still to this day, I don't think he eats proper meals. He like wakes up, he'll like just kind of like have a can of Pepsi and just like, I don't know. I'm like, where's your veggies, dad? Like, what are you doing, man? But it was crazy that um, I grew up around this. So obviously leaving, um, going into the adult world, man, I had a lot to learn. I was, um, because my dad was always like, hey, you'll be right, guy, you'll be right. Oh, yeah, just do it. But he's always says, like, have a crack at everything, give everything a go, but you'll be right. Um, man, took us racing dirt bikes from, like, around 11, 12, like, all the way up till 16, 17 kind of thing. I, to, um, yeah, when we turned 16, like, solid four years of racing, took us around traveling, and we we put in the work those few years. Like, um, obviously, like, there was other kids that got everything handed on a platter to them. Um, as far as racing goes, they got to go to all the racing schools and have time off school, and they were getting flown to America, some kids, for, like, training schools and things like that, where Grant and I, um, we would be lucky to get one ride in a week if he had the afternoon off work and he'd take us out to a mate's farm. And But it just kept us – what I didn't realise was – my dad not giving us everything was like the thing that was the best thing he ever did. If he gave us everything, it could have burned us out. I don't know, but it kept me like kept me so freaking hungry by only taking us riding. It was just like it was like just I don't know the theory, but playing hard to get or whatever it was. But man, it kept me so damn hungry. And then when I got to ride, I would literally ride that hard and go that fast. I'd have the biggest crashes, just absolutely everything. But I was that stoked to be there. I would have the most biggest crashes like anyone's seen and then be like that kid's going to hospital I would get up and just run sprint straight to my bike get back on and go pinned again for another lap and probably have the same crash again the next lap and I would do it like three times in one race and people were like what the hell is wrong with this kid like he needs to chill out but it was because it was like the dog that never got ran and then he got to go for a run and then the dog sprinted and went nuts when he got to go running for the first time so like looking at all these formulas I kind of laugh at it now but what my dad I don't think my dad was even realizing what he was actually how he was building me, but because I wanted it that bad, um, I I was never going to take no for an answer. So it made me rebel way more and just like get this savageness out of me. And to this day, I've I've kept that somehow. I managed to keep it because um, I made all, every time I get confused, any time and every time I get confused, I always 
talk to my inner child, my inner self. Like, and I talk to the 12 year old Harry Bink, like, I, and I pretend, and I go back to when I was 12 and I ask myself all the questions from when I was a 12 year old to get the correct answers. When I get confused, man, is this really worth it? Should I keep going? Oh man, the money's not there. All this self doubt. It happens with every athlete. Um, and there's so much self doubt because that is a part of the, that's part of the process. So whenever I have self doubt, I talk to my 12 year old self and instantly on the next breath, I don't even, I haven't even second guessed myself. So I'm like, yup, let's go head straight back in the game. Um, so I'm going to keep going. No, no, you can always keep going. But I was going to say, I'll I'll add to this because this is something that I've learned from you that I love. You're saying you don't have to do anything. You get to do it. That ties in nicely to what you're talking about. Can you elaborate on that a bit more? Yeah. So, um, man, like I, even when we're younger, like we do, dad would always have us doing jobs and whatnot. He goes, yes, you can go riding and, but you have to do this job. You have to do this job. He just kind of like not bribe us, but yeah, just you got to do it. It's the correct way of doing it. You got to pay to play. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he would just, yeah, man, it was so good. He'd go, he would go, oh, if you guys want to go to the movies tonight, well, I can take you to the movies, but you guys, I want to see, um, two, I want you to pick 200 weeds out of the backyard. Cause he's like, I want you to find 200 weeds. Okay. And then, um, he'd give his full job list and he'd have us work on the whole afternoon just to go to the movies. Um, when I say just to go to the movies, movies was massive, like for, for my dad to take us to the movies was fun. We were killing it. So that's a big move. So like in the adult world now, I'm like in my own world and I'm like, I don't even have to do all these jobs. Like I, st- I still do all the jobs, like whether it's doing shit around home, I'm cl- like at the compound or whatever it might be. I make sure like I get the stuff done and try and still use that formula to reward myself. So you've shaped the story now. It's great. I love hearing that story of your upbringing because I think it's, a really beautiful picture of good work ethic, a strong father figure, making sure you guys have respect, have appreciation for the life that you live now and understand what it takes to get to where you need to be. So let's fast forward into freestyle motocross career. You started off racing because it's very different to myself and I'm sure a lot of the listeners understanding. So you now you are in Nitro Circus, X Games, all the biggest freestyle motocross events in the world, which for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, that's with the motorbike, doing tricks of crazy jumps, double flips. But how does one get into that? Because there's a very, it's a very niche market. It's not like a kid can just jump on a motorbike and go into a flip. There's huge risks to go with it. So what's the transition from riding as a race motocross guy? I guess like most kids will grow up learning to race around a track to going into freestyle motocross. And what was your journey like in that? So the formula to this story will work in anything. I believe it'll work in anything you do, whether whatever you want to do, whether if you, whoever you want to meet, there's a goal of it's, it's kind of not what you know, it's who you know. That's a saying, but it just in, in that saying, you got to, be set, you got to get in with it. You got to prove yourself to enough and work on yourself enough to get in with the right people. And then when you're in the right people, stuff starts happening. And you got to perform when you get the shot. Too. But exactly right. And if you make one fool of yourself or not, and you haven't worked on yourself hard enough and you keep telling everyone you have and you're, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. They give you one opportunity and you blow it. You are another number. You're another number. That, you're another dude that wasted their time. And don't like who wants to be the guy that wasted their time. And then if you go for the second shot, they're like, all right, 
this guy's back again. And they've already got so much doubt in you. And unless you can really pull some miracle off, you're going to be in the same worse position than when you started. So um, 17, just um, started year 11 at school. I started a school-based apprenticeship and I was doing carpentry and I did my first full day of carpentry and I was like 10-hour day in the sun, just grinding it out. I was like, whoo. Wow, I th- I th- we did like lunch on. Thought I was school like, was hard. I thought the day. I was like, how isn't the day finished yet? But I was like, what have I? I just I just hit a reality. I'm like, what have I been doing? Why haven't I chased my dream? Why haven't I done the Nitro Circus dream that I always said I was going to do? And for some reason, like deep down inside, I knew I could always do it. I always knew I had it in me. And but I just never took action on the act because I was like, oh, I don't have access to a freestyle rant. Oh, how am I meant to learn freestyle if I don't have access to a freestyle ramp? That's That was my cap. That's how I thought. And then I'm like on a, standing on a job site working, building all day, doing all these tasks. And I'm like, why am I doing all these tasks when it probably wouldn't even – probably would take me only like a month or so to build a freestyle ramp. And then I've got it and then I can ride it every day. And then I can – I just started seeing all this vision when I'm spending all these long hours on this labour – doing this labour work, like sweeping and filling up hot bins full of bricks and wheelbarrows and whatnot. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> and, and I'm just hitting home and I'm like, why am I living in excuses? I got the plans off Google and then, um, yeah, we built it and then set it all up. Harry Turnbull, good mate. Straight to dirt? He lived, um, Harry Turnbull lived just down the road, about 10, 10 kilometres down the road and he brought his dad's excavator down and built the down ramp for me. So all the boys chipped in and we was like, oh, yeah, I'm Gene, all the boys up. And then we're like, yeah, when we build a wall, we'll jump it together and it'll be sick. Mm, we finished building it. it and then everyone's like, oh, I'm not jumping that. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, I ended up being the only one that jumped it. Um, but when I was jumping it, there was metal, like the bars of the metal, like was blowing out when I was jumping it because like our shitty welds, they didn't out a world. And then they were like breaking. So then I had to get metal plates and like put the plates under and start bolting them in. Um, and then just kind of, it was the dodgiest looking ramp you've ever seen. And then um, I had this set up though and I jumped it every day for six months, learned enough tricks. And I was hassling um, Steve Mini from Nitro Circus to try um, get to his compound to try learn to flip. Um, and then just kept hassling him and then, but I did the homework. I rode like every day for six months, learned heaps of tricks, got there, proved myself to him. Um, and I ended up learning to flip over two days. I flipped to dirt, which is massive for a 17 year old at that time. Um, so yeah, it was really cool, proved myself, but just putting in the work in the earlier time, um, I just grinded out, grinded out the, um. I just never took no as an answer. I just saved my money, drove to Steve Minnie's. When he said yes, I couldn't believe it. It was also like the one shot, one opportunity thing. And then when I was there, I landed on my head like five times into the foam pit. I, I was trying to do it. And when I land on my head, like when you land on your head in the foam pit, you got a 120 kilo bike driving you to the bottom of the foam pit. There's petrol dripping on your face and then... It's fully dark. You cram down in there with all your motorbike gear on and then there's um, the engine is hitting the foam and it's creating toxic fumes in there. So it feels like you're suffocating in there and with petrol dripping on your face, like you're like, man, I hope this doesn't catch on fire right now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gnarly. So landing on your head once into a foam pit like rattles you and then I'm like, man, i got to go again, got to go again. And then I did it like four times and he's like, dude, this isn't going anywhere. This is uh, – this is – drove there – 
six hours to Mudgee it was. Um, and then, yeah, did did four that afternoon. Couldn't get it. And he's like, no, nah, we'll have to have a break. We'll go go back, go stay at mine tonight, and then we'll do some revision and try to see if you can do it in the morning. And then if you can't, whatever, you tried, go home. Um, so, yeah, we um, came back again the next morning. I did the same thing like three times in a row. And then I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? I like, really want it, please. And he's like, you're pulling too early. And he explained it to me a bit you need to pull later in the lip. So I stayed really calm and pulled a bit later and it actually worked. I got it around. Started to rain, ended up going, um, ended up, I'm like, quick, get one more. Let me do one more into the foam pit, one more. And then he got me out of the pit, did another one, got it around perfect. And then he's like, it started to like sprinkle a bit. He's like, oh, what do you want to do? And I'm like, let's go, like get me out of the foam pit. Got out and then just turned around and went straight to dirt, landed it to dirt and then didn't even like celebrate, just rode around again, did one more and then I'm like, all right, I'm done. So that was cool because it was like I proved myself to him. I was 17, I proved myself and it was like, and that was one of the hardest weeks, that was one of the hardest like mentally things for me to get over. Um, That night I didn't sleep really, I was scared. It feels like it's a gnarly feeling trying to flip a dirt bike for your first time. Yeah, 120 kilo horse, a metal horse you're riding and landing on dirt after well, – how big was the jump that you jumped first yeah, to dirt? 65 foot was um, the gap I flipped. Um, and then, yeah, it was – Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, it was just really challenging mentally, but I, f- I um, learned a lot out of myself from doing that. So that was like my, that was my stepping stone like in, but I still wasn't even close to proving myself nothing. That I wasn't, I couldn't do shows, nothing. So I just went home, kept riding, worked on my craft. Um, but over the years, it, man, I could, I, I could, uh, if I rambled on about the whole journey in like proper detail, we'd be here for hours. But just a long story long, <laughs> long story short. Um, yeah, so that went through all that stuff. Um, and then, I went and practiced more. I ended up shattering my – oh, I was rushing out to go riding after work one day, forgot to put petrol in my bike and shattered my right heel and snapped my right tib and fib. That was my first proper broken bone. That one sucked. Healed from that. Um, and then I was like, oh, I really want to get in my first shows done. Um, so I trained, got riding good again, got to do my first ever show for the Showtime FMX team. Um did my first show and then I snapped my leg again at the second second show I did, um, my other leg. And then when that healed, I got back riding again and I just turned 19 and the Movie World, like Showtime FMX offered me a full-time job at Movie World, which was so such a great opportunity for it too. So this was my opportunity to leave Canberra, like get to the Gold Coast, ride dirt bikes and like learnt lots. Um, 
the wage and whatnot. Yeah, for, at the end of the day, like you're gonna get you're gonna get what you deserve in the long run if you work hard enough. So if you needed to take a small wage to get your foot in the door, so be it. Suck it up. Do get get your foot in the door and prove yourself and like kind of keep charging. And that crosses over to every industry, whether it be yeah. your dream job in accounting, if you need to like get your foot in the door with the big firm, like sometimes you gotta take the cut to get the experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's like when you want to get in the sport as bad as you want to breathe, you're going to take it. You're going to do it. Yeah, I don't care. So I, I got to do I, – I, now. I, so when I told my dad, I'm like, Dad, I got off of this job doing this. He's like, yeah, I think I don't want you leaving um, Canberra until you finish your apprenticeship. And then when you finish your apprenticeship, then you can look what you want to do. If I waited till I finished my apprenticeship, I would have missed out. I would have missed out on doing a whole – I would have been a third year apprentice and I would have been on, when I was meant to be a third year apprentice, I was on Nitro Circus Tour, traveling the whole of America, doing shows in Las Vegas, MGM Grand, um, doing shows in there with Stevie Oki. Uh, we had Steve-O, like the jackass boys at the show. Shoot your shot, kids. Don't don't wait and be a tradie. <laughs> yeah, dude. Man, I like met all the all the idols, and that was my first year on Nitro. You've moved your life from Canberra to the Gold Coast. You've started your dream. You've quit your job, and you're flipping bikes at Dreamworld, two two or Movie World, two shows a day for. Five days a week. Yeah. What's that next transition? Because that obviously is probably a great stepping stone. But from a young kid and from a freestyle motocross rider's point of view, I can imagine Nitro Circus is the top of the top, as well as X Games from an individual performance point. But then Nitro is the ultimate show to make money and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I learned a trick called the rock solid backflip. So there's one guy in the world doing it at the time. Um, rock solid backflip. It was gnarly. Um, like it's it's still to this day one of my hardest tricks to do. Um, where you do a backflip, you got to grab the seat, like the back of the seat, and then let go of the bike upside down, grab back onto the seat, and then get back on before the landing ramp and finish the flip. It's um so much going on in that trick, but I learnt it. I was twenty, just turned twenty one, and I learnt it. Nitro posted on Instagram. Nitro hit me up that um that afternoon and they were like, can you do this trick um, on the Canadian and USA tour, Capital City tour? I was like, yes. And they're like, sweet, pack your bags, you're flying out in two days. And then I was like, holy crap, I learnt this in one ride and now I got it. So I didn't even get to do the trick again. I like literally just stripped my bike down and got all my parts in the bag, flew over there. And when I got there, I couldn't even do it. I was like, I was trying so hard and it was just like, I was struggling so much and I was trying so damn hard. And for the first three shows, I couldn't even do it. I kept missing it and it was terrible. And they were like, yeah, we're going to book you a flight home and stuff. It was bad, man. And I was trying so hard. Because new ramp set up, bigger energy, doing uh, it in front of a crowd. And you have to do it right it. now. So it's a very muscle, it's one of the most muscle memory tricks there is. So you got to build up to it for so long. And then in the show, you'll do your segment in the show and then they're like, all right, and then now do the trick. And it's like, man, I need my 20 warm-up ones. And then I got it for that one video I sent you. So I was very unaware of like how gnarly that was. And I was like, man, I'm trying so hard. I just can't get it. With And then on the fourth show, I'm like, 
just don't, 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 don't send me home, please. I promise I'll get it this show. And I'm like thinking, fuck, how am I Were do you doing this? it and falling? Nah, I just couldn't get it. Like I, 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 was, I was getting there, but I didn't have enough time to let go. I could get to the position, like the double grab flip in the seat grab hold, but I couldn't, I just didn't have enough time to let go and then grab back on. It was so hard. Like, so then I was like, here, just throw some, let's get some like blocks and bricks and like chalk this ramp up so I have more time in the air. So we got some blocks. I got the track crew and then they're like, all right, how's he going to do his trick now? And then they'd, um, they'd chalk it up. And I got, and I did, went to do the trick, like where I go double grab and it worked. I had that extra bit of time in the air, just enough time to let go of the bike and then grab back on in the flip. So I did it. I got it. And it was massive. And they were like, hell yeah, gave me big mentions in the speech. They were like, that was sick. Next show, I ended up doing it even bigger again. One MBC, for anyone that doesn't know what that means, it's like MVP, but MBC, <laughs> most valuable yeah, I'll let you figure out the rest. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an award that Nitro have after every single show. They give you a sneaky 500 bucks for whatever, for being awesome. So I won that the next show. I was stoked. Next show after that, I did it even bigger again. And then after that next show, I did that even bigger again. And then I was doing the world's biggest like rock solid backflips. They're still the biggest ones that have ever been done to this day off 75. Like they were massive. Um, and I was just sending it in my groove. And then I started partying that tour. And and then I was like sending the biggest rock solid flips and I was partying. So it was like a massive emo- ro- emotional roller coaster. Like from the start where I was pe- so scared, I was terrified of this trick. Man, I was have goosebumps. I was like going wide. I was going into quiet rooms, like wanted to call up on a ball and cry. Like I had so much damn pressure on myself, just a young age, just traveling around other countries, the energy pressure just a young kid just battling my own thoughts and I didn't even know how to control my own thoughts then and everything was just bottling and I was like, I didn't know. It was to the point where it was like, not like any like suicidal or anything, like nothing, nothing of that, but it was just like, just terrified, like, what's happening? Just like, I don't know, but I just have to do this trick. I have to do it. And, and it ended up getting the best out of me. But, man, like, it was an emotional roller coaster oh, at the start. And for, like, the listeners, because I've, I've been and watched you at your compound and I can imagine at these shows it's even bigger. Yeah. For you to do this, you're going off a, motor, off a ramp that's, like, two stories high, flipping a 120-kilo motorbike and travelling, what, 75 foot in distance as well as flipping the bike, letting go of the bike upside down. Every time you do it, you could, like, every time you hit the jump, you could die. So mm. it's like I can imagine that stress, pressure and anxiety that you must have carried around the whole time was unbelievable. And then if you don't land the trick, you get sent home and you lose your dream. So like it blows me away the way that you guys can hold yourself and your mindset is something that I think is so inspiring. So let's talk about your process when it comes to your mindset. Coming from another athlete who... In theory, we don't have to get up and work nine to five. We don't have to get up and go to work per se. But what I've learned from you is the work ethic. Can you explain to me a little bit about your nine to five kind of theory? Yeah, for sure. I feel like whatever you do in life, like obviously find something you love, um, but even if you don't get to do what you love, like find the second best thing to it or like 
work for the person. Like if you can't be the athlete that you want to be, like find a thing where you could go work on the tour or work on the thing or just be a part of events even. Like let's say you wanted to be a pro athlete. You didn't get into it. Just go work in events or do something that you're somewhat close to your dream. And then how the work ethic works is your why is your fuel. If your why is right and you're doing things for the right reasons, everything else becomes effortless because you actually enjoy what you're doing. If you're doing something you don't like, that's where you get the people trying to always do, they have they have a job task and they do a little bit less and then they try and keep getting away with doing a little bit less to the point they get fired or their bosses hate them and then there's a shit energy between you and your boss. It's your own fault because your boss isn't, your boss isn't a dick or whatever. You're just getting what you deserve. Um, because of the energy you're putting out. And if you don't like it, don't be there. If you need it, well then do it, be good at it so you can move forward and use all the free learning lessons you're getting off the boss. Even if you don't think they're doing the right thing, kill your boss with kindness and then till you can go on with a new one. Like be the better person. Um, but your why is, um, your why is your fuel. And so many people get that confused. What is your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear is not doing something like going, oh, I should have done that. My biggest fear is going of, of not doing something. My biggest fear is going, missing out. Yeah. Regretting going, oh, if I had done that, I could have done that. I could have had this opportunity. My biggest fear is not living. And I find so many, yeah, yeah, (laughs) so, so yeah, yeah, sorry, I got, I just got so many things going on in my head, um, yeah, no, that is my biggest fear, being cocky or arrogant, um, obviously I am such a rapid high go guy and I can maybe come across too fast sometimes, but it's just because I'm really passionate and I love what I'm doing and I'm just like, yeah, let's do this, let's do this. And I am strong with my meanings and stuff because I'm so hard on myself. So I've always has said, yeah, from day one, um, my biggest fear is being coming across cocky or arrogant um, because you need the confidence and and, and belief in yourself to be able to do what we do. So coming with that, I've always said, yeah, my biggest fear is being cocky or arrogant because um yeah we need we need confidence for what we do so it's hard to find that fine balance yeah and then another thing your morning routine but also your ability to silence those morning thoughts because i think a hundred percent of us probably have that alarm goes off five o'clock oh i don't want to get out of bed What's your process when that happens to you? Yeah, so make a plan before you go to bed and whatever thoughts you have come in your head when your alarm goes off, the demon jumps in your brain and goes, stay in bed, hit the snooze. Like, but when you understand this formula, you laugh at the demon. You go, <laughs> suck, like, nice try, man. Yeah, it's something I struggle with at times and sometimes I get in a good flow and a bad flow, but it's... um. You yeah, just, it's just really make a plan and stick to it. Yeah, I like that. Don't, but making a plan, it just sets. It's a, it's a you, you're setting a track to follow. If you don't have a plan, you you don't have you don't have a road. You don't have a road to follow. You're just driving through a paddock. Mm, yeah, I like that. Making good plans and yeah, I think morning routine is something that comes up so often on this podcast, and it's such a wow, common, that's crazy. It's such a common thing with highly successful people. Morning routine, meditation, mindfulness. And yeah, silencing that little voice in your head when 
things overcome you and having that wow. grit and determination is massive. Yeah, wow. I actually never done a meditation before I met um, Alex Hayes. He, he did my first meditation for me and I've kept that. You guys have really had a really big impact on me between, yeah, um, you and Alex massive impact on um it's cool to meditate it's cool to take time on yourself it's cool to do these things before it was like oh all the people that i grew up with even my best mates that i grew up with in canberra they were laughing at me and calling me a weirdo on that for meditating and like saying i'm on a weird spiritual journey and stuff it's not a spiritual thing that meditation is literally and, sitting but they with were your looking thoughts. at me and, and actually paying me out and i was like and these are guys that I look up to. These are guys that I grew up with. It's like, what? I'm, I'm just trying to benefit myself. And so don't get wrong, man. There's so many like negative things with people. We don't even realize they're doing it. There's so much negativity, uh, man. Always kill people with kindness, smile and wave. And just the biggest thing is like self-doubt, man. You, you, or you'll be on the full right track, but you actually, if there's 10 people in the room and you're on the right track, usually you're probably one of those 10 people and then the nine people are going to have all consistent feedback on you and you're going to believe them and it's going to sink in. So just keep keep listening to really good audio books and just trust that. Don't even listen to anyone around you. Just listen to the good things that are in life and stick with that because you'll be stuck in the same roots if you keep listening to the nine people in the room. And just work harder than the nine people in the room. Yeah, but it's not even working harder. It's just being on your own journey. Don't go, oh, I'm doing this to be better than this person or to work harder than this person be on your own journey set your goals and don't even don't it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing because you're on your journey and you've set your goals and and the rest will come setting your why will always it's it's free um it's free fuel if your why is right it's free fuel it's free energy it's free you'll overtake anything with your if your why is correct what's your why all right i'll give you your question what's your why <laughs> Sick, you man, i love you ask this dude honestly when I first wanted to be a pro freestyle ride, everything, I only ever wanted to do Nitro Circus to be on the, the, um, the, to live the lifestyle. That was it. I never wanted to go to X Games. I never wanted to compete. I never cared about it. I, to be honest, <laughs> I still don't really care. I, I, my why is to be a better person and be the best person I can and grow and improve myself every day. I don't know what that might be, but I just want to keep benefiting myself. What, whatever that might be. So right now my hobbies are freestyle motocross and skydiving. So I just want to keep getting better at them each day. Now freestyle motocross might fade one day. I don't care if it does. I could venture into new things. But my why is to keep learning about myself, understanding my thoughts, because if I can control my thoughts, I can view the world correctly. And if I can view the world correctly, I can treat everyone around me correctly and live an amazing life. So my why is to keep studying and learning about myself and my thoughts to have the correct thoughts with myself on a daily basis. Very, very beautifully put. I'm a very <laughs> smart man, Harry Bing. So the last question I ask everyone on this podcast, and I'm going to ask you the same one, what does being a good human mean to Harry Bing? Being a good human is putting the time, working on yourself so you can treat others around you correctly. If you work on yourself enough, you will be doing, you know, you go, I'm going to go do this favour, I'm going to go do this really nice thing for someone. And whether deep down you might be going, oh, I hope I get something back or whatever, whatever the 
if you work on yourself and you become a really good person, you will be doing amazing things for other people without you even knowing that you're doing it because you've worked on yourself enough and you you are putting out really good energy and everything. So being a good human is taking the time to know yourself. Go on dates with yourself. People like you go on dates with take chicks out on dates or guys, chicks take guys out on dates. Take dates, go on dates with yourself. Go on a meditation date. Go on an ice bath date. Go on a big walk date. Like walk, do physical activity. Hear yourself think. Hear your thoughts. Talk to your thoughts. Be nice to yourself and get to know your thoughts and, and, and figure out ways you can improve them and don't just block them out. Any negative any negative thoughts, whenever bad thoughts come into your house, into your brain, sorry, welcome them. Say Hello. Whether if it's anxiety, depression, whatever, like, or bad, or fear, go, hello, you're back again. How are you today? Talk to it, become friends with it, understand how it works, go, oh, hello, you're back again. And then learn how to flip it. Mm, so separate when it, yourself. From I, your I flip my bad thoughts. I go, hello, bad thought. And then I go, how are you? What are you going to, what are you going to come at me with today? Oh, well, you want to do this. Okay. And then I, I flip it and I use it as free concentration, free awareness. Um, and free focus. So when something bad comes in, I, I go, hello, talk to it. And then I go, I'm going to use you to my advantage today and, and be kind and, and, and understand my thoughts. Mate, well, this has been an awesome chat. I love your story because you're not the perfect human. And I, and I guarantee like, you probably don't mind me saying that. Oh, I'm far from it, man. <laughs> Nor far am from I. It. And that's what I want the Good Humans podcast to show is like, you can have fun, you can muck up, you can get in trouble and do the wrong thing every oh, now and then. 100%. But as long as you own it and you take responsibility and yeah. like the journey you're on now of everything being about bettering yourself is something that everybody can learn from and that your past is your past. If you're making steps forward every day to become a better person in the future, that's what I think a good human is and that's what I see so much in you. So, mate, thank you so much for coming on Good Humans Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to watching you in X Games. Good luck and, yeah, looking forward to hopefully giving people a good little insight into Harry Bink's I guess early part of your life, we probably didn't go as much into your career as we will maybe next time. Yeah, We'll get for you back sure. on as part two because, yeah, we can talk for hours. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah if, any, if, if anyone's got any questions, make sure you send Good Humans Podcast and message on Instagram. I can pass it straight on to Harry. I'm sure he'll be super keen to answer anything, any questions you have to know about motocross or anything we talked about today because there's been some great points. Yeah, we could even just punch all the questions out on the next potty. <laughs> there you go. Send us some <laughs> questions on Good Humans Podcast and we'll um, tie a few of them into the next podcast. Pick the 30 best questions. There you go. Sounds good. <laughs> a whole new thing for Good Humans Podcast. But yeah, I'm your host, Cooper Chapman. Thanks for listening. And yeah, Harry Bink, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.